Welcome to Deadly Discussions, a podcast on social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional landowners of whose land we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Awesome. There we go. So, Chantel, you are my guest for episode 12, I think it is. Um, let's start with a bit of your background and a bit of your story and what you're doing now. Uh, I know your, your story is very unique. Uh, you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter, or should I say jiu-jitsu? Yes. Cool. So, yeah, jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu fighter. And that, that's MMA too and that sort of stuff, or is it just straight... Uh, look, I'm currently in the middle of reflecting on my journey over the the last five years that I've been based in Melbourne and the eight years in total that I've been training jiu-jitsu at this level. And it's quite yep. funny because I've tried, um, I did MMA training for a year because I wanted to focus on becoming an MMA fighter. And yep. um, I've done I've done wrestling. I tried out for the 2016 Rio Olympics. I tried yep. out for the... Commonwealth Games and got onto the shadow team yeah. for wrestling. Like, and I considered very briefly for about three months trying out for the AFLW. I even self nominated for the. Really? I went and tried out for the Collingwood team <laughs> last year. So I'm the type of person that I get really curious and I like a challenge and yeah. I like to push myself. So over the last five years, I've tried a lot of different things. And yeah, I mean, wow. you could look at it in one sense and go, oh, I've wasted all this time and I've got no sense of direction and all yeah. this. Or I can look at it and go, you know what? I allowed myself to follow my curiosity and to test yeah. the different areas that kind of took my interest and, and lit a passion in me. Yeah. But because I've been able to do that, I'm now able to, at least in a sporting sense and getting a bit clearer professionally, yeah. what it is that I want to do because now yeah. I know what I don't want to do. Yeah, that is so good. And, and, and I was just thinking... And we'll go into where you mob from and, and where you grew up in a sec. But, you know, just talking to some, some youth today um, about going out and trying a whole bunch of things so you know what you don't like as opposed to, you know, try to put your finger in the air, test the wind and try to find what you do like because there's so many things in life that you could pursue. And I think that's a, like becoming a problem for a lot of young Australians is because there's so much opportunity, people just get lost in it. And I think there is there is a lot of that at the moment, like this. Um, there's an actual psychological thing name for it, where it's a you yeah. have a paralysis of choice. Like you get yeah, overwhelmed. Wow. Human beings don't get do well yeah. when they're given too much choice. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. That's that's me at the shops, um, or at the local pizza joint when I have to choose what topping I want. Um, anyway, let's go back to what you're actually doing now. So I was going to say, out of that list of things that you've tried, I don't think the only, there's not much left. So I think there's the Gladiators. Do you remember that show? You could become... Actually, Ninja Warrior, and I've tried out for that. Okay, so well. I'll, I'll cross that <laughs> off the list because I was going to say you could try out for that one. Um, um, I don't think there's really much left for you to do. Oh, maybe maybe WWE would be the would be yeah, the last one. Yeah, that's I'll scribble that one down. I'll I'll nominate you for that. Now, okay, done deal. Done deal. Now listen for the. I was going to say, um, so we got the, the jiu-jitsu, we got the fighting. Like, how did you end up in that in the first place? So, I am a um, Barkinjing Yimpa European woman of descent from northwestern New South Wales. And yep. I'm the second eldest of 17 siblings. Yep. Um, so, growing up pretty rough, low socioeconomic, a yep. um, lot of racism, not really fitting in anywhere. And yep. also being a... I helped my parents 
and my dad, when him and my mum separated to look after my younger siblings and partly raise them. So, I mean, I've always been a natural protector and, and when you're a natural nurturer, like I'm... I'm a caretaker. There's the opposite side of that, that you become a natural protector for those that you're caring for. And I think I've always had this fighting spirit, but because of the way I grew up and the trauma that I grew up with, it became uh, a very aggressive um, style of trauma. And because I wasn't taught or I didn't have the opportunity to develop positive ways to release my negative energy and to channel that, um, I started to get really rough and I was fighting a lot and just um, my first go-to response if I felt threatened or felt unsafe yep. was to throw a punch. There wasn't any kind of wow. gap between my feeling and my response because yep. that had been the learnt response that I'd grown up with. Yeah, of course. Um, so when um, I've got I've got three children, my yep. daughter Nacinta's 12 yep. and I've got 10-year-old twins, Jada and Swane, and wow. I know that... I developed postnatal depression with my first daughter, but it became highly complicated with the birth of my twins. Yeah. Um, because no one talked about it. No one told me what to look for. And yeah. now knowing what I know, that because of the inherited trauma, um, transgenerational and intergenerational trauma that I inherited from my parents and my grandparents, yeah. and then based off of my own childhood, it kind of was really it all accumulated and was triggered by the birth of the twins where yeah. I became um, highly highly at risk and I was I almost uh, committed suicide. Oh, I almost wow. hurt my daughter. Yeah. And it was from that experience that I decided that I needed to do something to help myself once it was actually diagnosed as depression. Yeah. Um, I didn't want medication to be my first go-to resort. Yeah, so I'd been introduced to jiu-jitsu and martial arts when I was about 19, and that's how I met yep. um, my partner, George, who's the father of my kids. Yeah, um, yep. But I was never really – I just mucked around with jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. But yep. after I was diagnosed and I realized I was at risk of either hurting myself all the kids, I knew that I needed to do something to try and yeah, help myself. Yeah. So I started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a form of physical therapy to treat my postnatal depression. Yeah, yeah. Wow, and that's um, that's worked. Well, let's put it this way: I started off as a as a way to just try and manage and just to what Jiu-Jitsu kind of gave me. It yeah. in the beginning, it gave me the ability to create space between what I was feeling and the response or the action that I chose to take. Yeah. Um, in, in those moments. And once I was able to create a space between what I was feeling and how I was going to respond, I was able to start to shift my reactions and the actions that I was choosing. Yeah. Um, and jiu-jitsu is a physical and mental game of chess. So it's not like yeah. just going to the gym where you're lifting some weights. Yeah. Like you've got to be switched on. You've got to stay focused in the moment. And yeah. it's almost like a meditative ahead. state that you've got to go into because you've got an opponent who's trying to choke you or trying to yeah. submit you or trying to control you. Yeah. And if my mind's elsewhere it's on how I'm feeling or it's, oh, what did the kids do this morning? Then I'm yeah. going to get beaten. So it, yeah. it taught me to stay focused and to not use my emotional reactions because if you get angry in a jiu-jitsu match, like it works for some people, but with me, if I get angry, I just redline and I lose my ability to focus and I lose my ability to see and respond as opposed to reacting. Yeah. And um, 
I I fell in love. Like I I found something positive that I could channel all my negative emotions yep. into. That I could just be because I'm a big, strong female, and I could be. I yep. could let my natural aggression kind of roll out, and I didn't have to apologise for that. Yeah. And then it kind of gave me thinking space. It kind of gave me permission to just channel this negative energy and turn it into something positive. Yeah. And it helped that I kind of was good at it as well. So I started competing, and in 2013, we decided to move to Melbourne yep. to um, two years after I started training jiu-jitsu. Wow. We decided to move to Melbourne to try and pursue um, becoming a world champion and yep. seeing if we could actually make something of this. And also, and that's still you're in pursuit of today? <laughs> so, that Unless was you become a world champion, I didn't know. <laughs> in the last five and a half years, yep. I have won three world titles in jiu-jitsu. I'm a three-time world Whoa. champion. Yeah. Um, I graduated with my double degree in arts and education. Wow. I've done a postgraduate degree in Indigenous trauma and recovery, and yep. I've now started my own business around motivational speaking yep. and self-empowerment life skills development programs yep. for schools, yep. women and girls, yep. youth at risk, and, and pretty much anyone that can benefit from my yeah, like you wow. said my unique story and stuff like that oh it's just a story i think and that's you know part of what deadly discussions is about is highlighting these stories that people just don't know are out there especially for aboriginal people it's like well if you're not an athlete or you're not in arts then you're not really a famous black fella but it's about creating these new stories and saying there's other avenues into becoming what is you know quote successful um, a lot of indigenous people like, well, what is you know success? Um, I'll take it back to you were saying about the power of distance, distancing, which you'd find when you'd be wrestling. Um, is that sort of like you're having the power to like go? What thoughts are my thoughts? What thoughts come from trauma? What thoughts come from shame? Or you know, is that what you're sort of talking about there? And you're sort of filtering filtering that down to find what is yeah. really your thoughts. So I was able to build some self-awareness because, I mean, you can't change something that you're not aware of. It's it's like um, smoking and stuff like that. I mean, yep. 50 years ago, it wasn't a bad thing to smoke. It was quite an accepted thing socially. Yep. And, I mean, addiction is normal. Yep. And it's when you're trying to, these behaviours or these things are symptoms or triggers of something that's a much deeper cause. Yep. And I think that once I was able to go... Oh, so that's why I do that. So I have um, attachment disorder because yeah. um, I get I attach to people um, too fast. Like I don't kind of yeah, go, okay. oh, well, do I really like that person or try and suck yeah. people out because yeah. I don't believe in myself enough and yeah, I'm yeah. not a very naturally confident person. So as soon as I see someone that is really successful in the area that I want to be successful in or yeah. they're like particularly older females and stuff like that. Like I tend to latch on before I kind of suss the relationship out because yeah, wow. I didn't get that um, from my in my own childhood. Like both my parents loved me, but yeah. they both had their own trauma and yeah, they were doing yeah. the best they could. And because of the, um, like I wasn't raised by my mum, I was raised by my dad, so I didn't really have... Yeah, that, that mother figure. So yeah. I have a, an attachment disorder where sometimes the behaviours don't really serve me and I latch on to people um, mm. before I've really um, felt whether the relationship is 
that type of relationship or yeah. whether they're actually a good person and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, wow. But I wasn't aware of that until I started yeah. um, kind of unpacking. I, I started journaling. Yeah. And jiu-jitsu taught me that sometimes how I'm feeling in myself doesn't mean I necessarily have to respond or become attached to that thought or that feeling. Like I actually now have the ability to go, well, okay, like in the morning, I wake up at, at between four and five o'clock every morning yeah, or try wow. to, yeah. um, to be able to I get also try to time do to do everything that I need to do. Yep. Um, and I don't always want to get up at that time, but now I'm able to, instead of turning back over and going to sleep, I'm able to go, well, actually, yes, I do feel tired. Yep. My body's sore and my mind is over overtired because of this yeah. but if I get up these are the things that I'm going to be able to do yeah, and I'll right. be able to manage my anxiety and my stress because I'm able to chip away at things rather than leaving everything to last minute yeah and yeah, I would so never good. have been able to to build these skill sets and stuff if I hadn't have started jujitsu but then yeah. started wanting to learn more about myself and why do I react certain ways yeah I think like a lot of those martial arts and uh, different codes like you really, and I grew up with a very spiritual family, so we know about mind, body, and soul from, you know, as soon as we're out of the womb. So we're able to distance like, okay, that's my mind running here, or that's my body and it's, you know, physical um, reactions and, you know, this is coming from a soul point. And so we grew up with that and we are able to filter in really well. Um, plus we had a lot of, I've got, you know, South Sea Islander blood, so I've got a lot of connections to the islands. Um, and they're very spiritually driven people as well and strong mm. family foundations. So, And like what you're saying is you've had to sort of discover that over time about your mind, body and your soul and how, you know, some, like when you wake up in the morning, the, the mind is like, you know, you're tired, you know, you've had a big night, it's been a big week, hit the snooze button and, you know, you're like, yeah, you're right, you're right and I feel physically tired and then, yeah, you keep delaying that and I've I challenged myself last winter when we were living... Um, down the peninsula was to not hit the snooze and to actually go and have a dip in the water across the road. And um, I did that like for weeks on Ooh, end. And what I found was... Cold water therapy. Was, yeah, yeah. I'm a saltwater man, but I'm not that that saltwater dedicated. You know? I'm not like <laughs> going in winter. Anyway, my, my co-founder, Jared, he's all into Wim Hof and all of that. So I was like, you know what? I could do that. You know, as, as an athlete growing up playing sport, we'd have ice baths after training, you know, no biggie. I could do that. So um, eventually, yeah, I got, got doing that. And what it does is you actually set yourself up as you've won in the morning before you even get to work or mm. do any of your tasks. You've already won something. Like you've already overcome. And it sets a, a habit. And now today, like, yeah, I don't get up and go for an ice bath, but I, I'll still get up early um, and try to beat the kids up because, yeah, if, you, if they catch me um, trying to get breakfast or go for a shower, then, then I'll get stuck. So i got to bring along, shower them, feed them. Who knows? Who knows the role of being a father? Who knew? Um, anyway, I'll go into our next one, which is usually about what you're doing. You've already um, sort of tied into what you're, do you're doing. So you're saying you're more transitioning into, so you've got sort of two avenues of how you, you know, bring home the bacon. One is um, fighting and the other is uh, professional, you know, motivational speaking, um, helping schools, um, health. Do you want to elaborate on the two and how do you balance that out? Yeah, so jiu-jitsu actually doesn't bring in any income at all. Um, yep. So everything is pretty much self-funded and... Wow. Um, so last year, I think I spent close to thirty thousand oh, wow. dollars on so um, competing, and and it's all self funded. So I'm managing yeah. three kids, oh, um, a full time. I train almost the same amount that a full time athlete would. I am a full time athlete, but yeah. I'm 
um, self-funded, even yep. with in terms of like I don't have access to massage or um, yeah. like the supplements I need and stuff like that because it's just too expensive. And yeah. people are like, oh, well, why don't you just go get a massage? And it's like, well, I'd love to spend $100 a week on getting a massage. Yeah, it would help me, me immensely in my performance. Yeah, but yeah, I also yeah. have three kids. Like my daughter started high school oh, this wow. year. And yep. um, so, I mean, I know that I'm – I am one of the best in Australia and I just finished the season ranked 18th in the world competing against um, 18-year-olds that are like literally training full-time and they get to go around the world and which means they're accumulating experience, they're getting the rankings that they need because they're getting points and I'm being highly successful in a sport that has no support or is only just starting to come into more mainstream avenues but... So what I'm now looking at is trying to build a portfolio to try and approach sponsors and stuff like that. But even that's difficult because I'm in a niche sport. Um, I'm an older female athlete and I don't have the platform or the networks to, for people to open the doors for me to say the same sponsors or the same networks that sponsor AFLW players and, um, like the, the NRL and stuff like that. So, Pretty much part of the reason for going into business for myself is that I then have the flexibility to be able to train. I can still be a mum because it's really important for me to be there for my kids because so many women these days are so stretched, especially as Aboriginal women. Like, I mean, you're on this committee or you're on that board, you're – Usually got, um, if you're a mum, you've got other commitments that you run around with your kids because they've got their own things going on. And then you've either got a job or you've got a side business. And I was like, okay, I don't want that kind of life where I'm having to choose between my kids and everything else. So um, that's why I kind of went into business for myself. And I have a very unique story, and but I'm also qualified as well. So I think that for me... You said the double degree, um, postgraduate. Yeah, and yep. this, this for me kind of meets two very significant needs. I get to support my family and yep. I'm building something that I can step into that um, is giving back to the community. Like I yep. can operate at grassroots levels, but I can also work in the corporate and be able to yeah, charge that, that because yeah, that I so want important. to build a multi-million dollar business that yep. can support not only my family, but one day I can build my own foundation or have the means that I can support other programs that are providing scholarships or providing programs because yeah. I don't want to be reliant on government funding. Yeah, I want right. to be I want to be sustainable enough that I've got that level of income and profit that I can then support our communities towards real self-determination and creating shift because this deficit model that we're that we're running on yeah. is We've only had colonization for 230 years, and yes, it has done significant damage, but we survived and thrived in this country for 80,000 years, and that's the conversation I want to get back to. Yeah, that's right. um, That was sort of the topic I was talking to these Indigenous um, students today from Reservoir and Thornbury, um, was, um, you know, don't believe that you're, we were just scavengers that walked through and ate a bit of bush tucker and we found a fish in the creek, you know, life's good. Like we were like farmers. Like it was random. Yeah, like it was random. Like we were farmers. We um, Down in South Australia, they herded killer whales, you know. There was um, some of the Bruce saltwater Pascoe? tribes. Yeah, Bruce Pascoe writes about it. So, some of the other tribes um, used dolphins to herd in schools of fish. You know, they had mechanical yeah. fish traps on the Murray. We were incredibly intelligent um, and hardworking, you know, the 
Wadarong, which is Geelong. They said the settlers got there and they saw the hills of um, at the back of Geelong there, and it was as far as the eye could see, it was yam fields, and potatoes. Like it was all here, and it was uh, removed, and they tried to completely obliterate it. But the people that survived, Aboriginal people that have survived today, have, you know, survived for a reason under really dire circumstances. And that right there is qualification to go on to do great things in this country and to set yeah. the new standard. And that's what I was trying to reiterate to the guys because we went out in the circle and they're like, nah, I'll, I'll do a trade or, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I said, you know what, like, you are all survived here for a reason. Like, you know, your ancestors suffered. You know, my grandfather, he cut cane and built railroads for, for rations and he fed 11 kids on that. I'm like, you know, we've got a pretty good starting um point in life and so like really reiterating where we've come from because i think it's yeah like you said that that anxiety of choice and it can be easily forgotten we're just like oh yeah i'm australian but it's like no but we weren't always this way um mm. but i love it, what you said about being stretched i think a lot of aboriginal women um one thing in my heart and seeing my mum, she was the breadwinner for our family my dad raised us at home she had the government job but she was stretched so much just to provide fast three boys and so anytime i see um an aboriginal woman really pushing the limits for her um children or community really like touches my heart so i'm like adamant that i will end up helping a lot of um women empowerment and women on boards like i really want to be involved with that stuff um which i always thought was weird because i'm like i'm a guy but i'm like you know what no way i want to see that come to fruition you know we need balance in the boardrooms we need balance in our workplaces you know it can't be just one-sided and I found like, not- yeah, sorry, you go. No, no, go, go. I was going to say, well, we brought Janae on. So we've got Janae part of the team. And it was just so different the way our Monday meetings, we have our agenda and our action points. And just the way she went about addressing her action points um, was so different yeah. from the guys. And then the guys stop and start thinking, oh, yeah, maybe maybe we could do that. Like, oh, maybe maybe we don't have to be so direct or maybe we can plan a little bit more or something like that. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm looking forward to bringing more women to the workplace. The guys stop and have to scratch their head and think a little bit more now. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's, it, but it's that balance of diversity. I mean, like I said, it's I've got so much respect for, for women who have come before me and that's why I'm trying to learn because a lot of the women that I've been speaking to that are in their 50s or 60s said, yeah, look, we wish we'd taken more time to either, for those that were just completely focused yeah. on their children, that they'd invested some time in building something for themselves and those women that were invested in building a career trying to support their families that that had more space to to be there like to just be with their kids and and build those memories and stuff and I think for me, like my daughter's in year in year seven but she's already she's involved with this committee. She's the junior vice captain for her aerobics team and she's on this and I said Baby girl, I said, you know what's year seven? Like you can just chill and kind of yeah, take it all right. in and find your feet. And she goes, yeah, yeah. and I said, why do you? Why are you being like this? And she goes, because I'm your daughter. And she meant it as a yeah. positive thing, but it made me stop Reflect, and kind of yeah. take stock of where I'm at. Like I don't have to be an elder right now. I don't have yeah, to right. rescue our community right now. Like I mean, I yeah. look up to people like Cassie Freeman and Nova yeah, Paris yeah. and all that, but. They were athletes first, then they became the Nova Paris or the Kathy yeah, Freeman. Like, right, yeah. became the brand. I'm I'm trying to do everything, and I mean, I yep. to a certain extent, I have to because I'm trying to build a business that can sustain not only my family but also support my um, my sporting career. Because yep. even though I'm a three-time world champion, like yep. I feel like I've just 
scratched the surface of yeah, the potential wow. that I have as an athlete. And because people keep telling me that I'm old, like at 35, well, you know, it's enough what you've done, That's you right. should retire. I'm like, 35. I'm just yeah. getting started. You don't get to determine when I'm That's retiring right. or when yeah. I'm stopping. That's right. I think that whole mindset's changed. Like one of my favorite soccer players, Leo Messi, he's 34 this year, I think. And Cristiano Ronaldo's 34 as well, 35. Anyway, and the guy who just won in Italy, top goal scorer, he's like 30. He's like 36, 37. So it's like pushing yeah. the limits now with the access we have to nutrition, the access we have to education. It's like, hang on, I'll determine when I'm finished operating at this level. Like I'll determine when I've done that, you know, season of hard yards. Um, and that's what I'm excited about because, yeah, for me it's like um, I've had thoughts to go back on country, but I, that hunger I think is keeps keeps me going because I'm like, I just got to accomplish more um, for my family, my legacy, and then for the wider Indigenous community because, you know, I want to be proven. Yeah. I don't want to just be like did a, did a thing here and there and sit on a board and pretend no, I know what I'm talking to, you've about. You've got to create that. You've got to, one, you've got to build your own capacity, and that's what I kind of realised is, is like, I'm so new to business. There's so much that I don't know. So now yeah, I'm reaching out trying to create it. networks of people that I can learn from. But yeah. talking to to mainstream people who, who do business or even Aboriginal people who are doing different businesses, yeah. there's there's many different ways to do business. And right now, like people, the biggest thing I'm coming across is people yeah. going, you've got to have a niche market and you've got to have this. Whereas yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't just want to work with blackfellas. I don't just want to work with yeah, women and right. I don't just want to yeah. work in schools. Like yeah. I believe that my message and the, the things that I'm capable of could benefit almost anyone that you put me in front of. And I want to become yeah, a skilled right. A speaker and I want to become yeah. a skilled facilitator yeah. that if you put me in front of a boardroom full of white men who are 50, yeah. that I could shape my message to be of benefit to them. That's exactly and right, yeah. we shouldn't be pigeonholing ourselves, yeah. but because that's the way business has always been done. But then I'm like, Aboriginal people were natural entrepreneurs anyway. Like, we yeah. were problem solvers and we were flexible and we adapted to our environment, but then we shaped our environment to suit us as well. Like, that's right, Like you yeah. said, there's in Bruce Pascoe's book, Dark Emu, like he, he talks about some of the colonialist diaries where they would rock up and they would see these open parklands that looked yeah. very much like what they saw in England. And they'd be like, they wouldn't even comprehend yeah. that that was, it was the engineered yeah. by Aboriginal <laughs> people right. of that yeah. area. Yeah. And they actually like, thought, nah. they actually thought someone shipwrecked a long time ago. That's what the actual, the actual thoughts were that someone shipwrecked yeah. and did that garden. It wasn't so the Aboriginal people. How but. can I? how can I create business to suit me and what I want it to be for the next five years while I explore yeah. where I can have the greatest impact. And it's not just about me going, oh, okay, I'm good at this and this is my life experience. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell people yeah. what this is. It's like, I want to talk to my customers and go, well, hey, I'm good at this. And I'm, yeah. I have a tough love approach. Like this is yeah. my messaging. This is how I work. How do you think that that could benefit you and your crew? And just through different conversations and people who are experts in their areas, like I've been talking to 15-year-old girls and going, well, this is what I'm doing. Yep. What do you think I could give you that would benefit you to help you with whatever problems you're having? Yeah, And right. I'm getting so much feedback from these young girls who are helping me shape a program that is going to be so much more powerful and beneficial because yep. it's been developed on from, from their yep. perspective and their point of view, and it's the same as with some of the women in the community. I'm like, look, this is what I'm doing. This is how I see things, yep. and... The, the women are helping me shape it. So for the yeah, next five so years, important. like, 
yeah, yeah, do it's, it that it's way. Yeah, it's to be the gap between the, the community and the corporate world. You know, I don't think there's many leaders. People either cross over corporate and that's their thing or they're in the community services and then that's their yeah, thing. Yeah, not and, enough people who are, who are doing... Like, I'm, I'm struggling to break into corporates because people are like, oh, no, you only work with schools and yeah. you only work with, with youth. And I'm like, but what I have is relevant to as to much everyone. to adults that's just because right, I yeah. haven't got that experience well, that's, yet. You yeah, just it's need funny you say because the group this morning, um, year 10 to year 12, I'm like, to be honest, guys, I'm usually talking to older white males in their 50s in suits, but, you know, I'll try my best to keep it interesting for you. Anyway, <laughs> the, the kids were actually really excited. Um, and they, they thought they walked into the Melbourne Storm facilities and thought they were going to see a, an athlete and then I turn up, so they're probably a little bit disappointed. But um, I shared a story about entrepreneurship and different journeys, and then the questions came from their teachers and the students, you know, about um, yeah. different things in life and stuff like that. And just because I've okay. gone out and failed so much and, and messed it up, I um, have those learnings. So anyway, we're running out of time already. <laughs> so I'll finish up with last question. You've got 60 seconds to answer it. Um, um, in 10 years, Sister Girl, where, where will you be? In 10 years' time, I will have a sporting legacy that cuts through to the mainstream that shows what Aboriginal people, an Aboriginal woman and a mother and an older elite athlete is capable of yep. with probably 10 world titles. I think I'll be satisfied Ten. with. I'm writing it down, and, so I'm going to hold you right, accountable. And I'll be running a multi-million dollar business that yep. operates around personal growth and helps people become their best self and do their best. And yep. I'll be an international motivational speaker that's changing the world. And a bestseller? No, no, nah, nah, I don't put You've got to throw that in there. <laughs> what about more children? Possibly another set of twins for my 40th birthday, I think, would, would be too really nicely. Are you serious? Another set? Yeah. Wow. Well, I can't, the, well the thing is, my daughter will be 17 yep. and my twins oh, will be they, 15. So they can help out. You can't, have, you can't have one kid because the kid will be that clingy and yeah, it will be that yeah, bored so it to by twins. itself. Yeah. Plus, we're a mob that grows up with siblings. So That's true. I'll just engineer another set of twins. Yeah, fantastic. I don't know if I can handle <laughs> twins. I can barely handle the two I've got now and they're not twins. Um Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm sure we could keep going and unpack more and more stories, so we'll definitely get you back on in the Maybe future. Maybe we'll have to have another episode. We will. You can hold me accountable to that, and I'll hold you accountable to the 10 world titles. All right. Done deal. Awesome. Thank no you worries. so much. Thank you so much for coming on, Chantal, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Isaac. No worries. Bye.